0: Just hurry!
1: Well, Good morning, everybody, and welcome to The Well at STSA. We're so happy that you're here with us today. If you're just joining us, you're coming in a fantastic week. You could not have picked a better week to come because today we are wrapping up the three-week series that we've been talking about, The Great Hunt, where we are going on a quest to discover God's will. And we've been answering this question of how do we know what's God's will? And can we even really know what's God's will? And for many of us, the video that we just saw up there on the screen is a perfect analogy of what it seems like God's will is, which is some kind of mysterious holy grail that only like the elite of the elite can actually find. And the rest of us just kind of struggle and we don't ever actually discover what it is. But we just kind of chasing it our whole lives. Can we really know? What God's will is and can we really discover it well as I've been saying for the past several weeks that I believe and I hope you believe as well is that God wants you to know his will more than even you want to know his will all right and as a father it is God's greatest desire to give you his will and what we've seen over the past few weeks is that what God does is he just kind of reveals his will in certain ways And we, if we are keen and our antenna is up, we can discover a lot more of God's will than we may realize. Let's take a step back. We talked about God's will. We talked about how 90% of God's will doesn't need that much figuring out because it's plainly labeled in front of us. Remember we talked about the first part of God's will is the sovereign will of God. And that's what God is doing in the world as a whole. And then we talked about the moral will of God, which is God giving us his commandments. And we agreed that 90% of the will of God is right there of what God is doing in the universe. And yes, there's that 10%, that customizable, that God's will for you in terms of your job, or God's will for you in terms of this relationship, or God's will for each one of us in specific areas, but you'll never know God's specific will outside of his sovereign will and outside of his moral will. That's why with his sovereign will, we need to understand what God is doing in the universe. And we need to see that sometimes, you know what? God just wants to teach me a lesson. God wants to teach me a lesson to become friends with him and to build my relationship with him. So no matter how hard I try, he's gonna take away certain friendships around me because God's trying to teach me how to relate to him. And that's the sovereign will of God. There's nothing that you can pray about that. There's nothing that you obey. That's God's sovereign will. He's trying to tell you, I need you one-on-one. More than I need you to rely on your friends. Sovereign will of God. And the moral will of God is given to us in the scriptures. All right, Where he gives us his commandments and what his will is for our lives. And then last week what we talked about is now this personal will of God. How do we know it? We said that God gives it to us kind of in phases. And we said that about how it's not necessarily a formula of A plus B plus C plus D. But what it is is you usually pass through this phase And then you pass through this phase, and then you pass through this phase, and then you discover God's will. And those four phases, if y'all remember, God starts with inspiration. And then as soon as we find that inspiration, that calling from God, we respond with hesitation. I don't know if I can do this. And then we say, okay, you know, I'm going to take a step of faith, and I can do this. And then we are faced with temptation, where the evil one and the enemy is going to try to get us to quit and say, I tried my best, but I can't do it. And then if we fight through that, we will get to the last stage, which is? relaxation or celebration or that's the part where if you remember I talked about last week that's the goal where I am right here here's the will of God and I'm right there in the middle I know what I'm doing today is right 100% where God wants me to be and there's no greater feeling in the universe this is why we do everything we do to have that confidence and that that strength and that power of knowing that I am right where God wants me to be today today's message I have been doing my best over the past several weeks, and i probably said it 10 times every week, to tell you that God's will is not a formula. Have I made that clear enough? God's will is not a formula. Because I'm sure many people say, okay, good, we're going to go to this series We're gonna we know God's will. He's going to tell us to say this prayer, to do this, stand on our head like here, fast on this, and boom, God's will is just going to be laid out for us in fr- as, 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 as like a map right in front of us. God's will is not a formula, and God's will will never be a formula. But if it was a formula which it's not a formula, but if it was, but it's not. But if it was a formula, the formula would be this, but it's not. But if it was, here's your formula. I have to want God's will more than my will. I have to want God's will more than my will. You don't have to convince me that you want God's will. You don't gotta convince your neighbor that you want God's will. You don't gotta convince even yourself that you want God's will. I have to genuinely, sincerely want God's will more than my own will. Sounds simple, simple enough. Maybe the hardest thing to do in life. Let's take a step back. Let's understand this, break down this statement. Every single one of us as human beings is born with one of the greatest gifts that God gave to us is something called free will. You were given the gift of free will, I was given the gift of free will. And because we were given this gift of free will separate than all of other creation, all of other creation wasn't given this gift that we were given of free will, the ability to make choices, the ability to say, I want this. All right, you have the ability to say, I can say, I want a turkey sandwich. And you say, I want a chicken sandwich. And someone say, I want to go to this movie. And someone say, I want this job. Someone say, uh, I want to marry a doctor. Someone say, I want uh, to my kids to marry a doctor. Okay, whatever it may be. You have an ability to have a will, an ability to make decisions and say, this is what I want to do. And we have that ability because we were made in the image and likeness of God. All of creation was not made in the image of God. We were, that's why we have this ability. So because we are in the image of God, we have the ability to say, I want this. Well, if we got this free will, Where did it come from? It came, we have the ability to say, I want, because the one who created us is the one who says, I want. So in the same way that we have a will because we're made in his image, he has a will. And he has things where he says, I want. And I want this, and I may want that. So we, he has a will, and we have a will. Now the problem is, oftentimes, these two wills don't match one another. Sometimes they do match one another. And sometimes there's things like, I think we can all agree, Like murder is bad. Everybody agree. We all say our will, no murder in this world. Everyone agree with that. We can get rid of uh, stealing. We don't like stealing either. Get rid of hatred, racism, prejudice. We get rid of all those things. God agrees, we agree on that stuff. But there's a lot of areas where we don't agree necessarily with God. Because God's will goes beyond do not murder. God's will goes to do not be angry. And God's will goes beyond do not hate. God's will says don't even talk about a person. And God's will says to be holy as I'm holy. And God's will says to carry your cross. And God's will says to turn the other cheek. And God's will says don't just love your neighbor, but love your enemy. God's will goes the extra mile. And that's sometimes where our will and his will is different. And if you wanted to summarize the main difference between God's will and man's will, I'd I'd break it down this way. Man's will is to be happy. God's will is to be holy. Everything we do in life, My will is, what makes me happy? What makes me comfortable? What makes my life easy? God, as much as he wants us to be happy, which he does want, he's our father, he wants even more than that. He wants us to be holy. God cares not just for our comfort. God cares for our character. We care for pursuit of happiness. God cares for our pursuit of holiness. And in the same way, there are times where we will do whatever it takes To achieve happiness, God will do whatever it takes for us to achieve holiness. See, the past two weeks, I've been talking about how do we know God's will, and how do we know God's will, and how do we know God's will. But I've been making an assumption throughout this time. And the assumption has been that you want God's will, even if it's not necessarily your own will. See, I kind of made that assumption that you desire this will because it's what you want. And the two wills are lining up. But today what I'm trying to address is, well, what if... I'm not diligently seeking God's will. What if I just want, what if I'm not trying to match my will to God's will? What if I'm trying to get God to change his will to match my will? Let me give you two examples, okay? Because there's two clear-cut examples as far extreme, I'm going to give the far extreme right and the far extreme left, and we all fall somewhere in between there, hopefully closer to one than the other. The first example, who is the furthest, furthest, furthest away of someone who rejected the will of God? Who said, God, this is your will? I want nothing to do with it. I would say Lucifer, okay, Satan. It doesn't get much worse than the devil, okay? It's hard to be below him on the good scale. Lucifer, as we know, the scripture teaches us and we know that Lucifer was created as an angel of light. Actually, his name, Lucifer, means light. He was created as an angel of light, just like all the other angels, to serve God, to serve God's will. And God said, I create you, here's my will for you. And Lucifer rejected that will. We read about it in Isaiah chapter 14. It says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. Why was Lucifer weakened or cut down and why he fell? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the earth. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. What is the key phrase that Lucifer repeated five times in these two verses? Lucifer said, I will. I will. It's not about what you will, God. It's about what I will. And this is the way I want it. And you made me to do a certain thing. Well, I don't will for that. I will for this. And I'm sure Lucifer convinced himself in his little angel devil mind. He convinced himself that God doesn't know what he's doing and God doesn't love me and God doesn't care about me and God isn't fair and he likes Archangel Michael better than he likes me and he's discriminating against me, all this kinds of stuff. All the nonsense that we say when we don't want to obey God's will. When we just say, I want this and this is what I want. That's who Lucifer was. In the end, Lucifer's I will made him go from the highest of the highs to the lowest of the lows. Who's the other extreme of Lucifer? Jesus, okay? Anytime you want to know, okay, Lucifer, devil, and Jesus. Those are the two extremes, okay? You never go wrong saying Lucifer and Jesus, okay, Satan and Jesus. Contrast, I will, here to what we saw in our Lord Jesus Christ on his final hours on this earth when he faced one of the toughest times in his life, and he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, Father, if it is possible... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not I will, but you will. Not as I will, but as you will. You see the two extremes? You see how they operated? One said, I reject your will. It's my will. And the other one said, I really will this, but I deny my own will to have thy will instead. Life, this is life. This is life. Life is a battle between these two forces. Every day of your life, every hour of your life is a battle between two forces. Between, let's go on the right side, let's go Jesus on this side. Sorry, over here. Okay. Left is always on the bad side. Okay. Left, this is the my will side, and this is the God and the thy will side. My will, thy will. My will, God's will. Every day is a battle between these two forces. And my will is trying to pull me over here, but God's will is trying to pull me over here. And every single day, everything that goes on, this battle takes place, and this is the toughest battle in life. And this battle, just as we saw with Lucifer, has taken down many, many, many a people who desired to be righteous and desired to be good, but they lost the battle of my will versus thy will, and they ended up losing for eternity. But the flip side is... We know many people who have won this battle. And the stories of the people who have won this battle are the most inspirational, and I want to say the sweetest, like it's backwards. The people who deny what I want end up telling you, nothing could be sweeter in life. The ones who learn how to trade in my will for thy will. And that's what we want to talk about here today, is moving from my will to thy will. And like I said, I drew you the two extremes and there's no one who's on that extreme and no one who's on that extreme. We're all somewhere along the way. What we want to see here today is how to move. And again, kind of like last week, I believe it happens in state. I don't believe in the light switch theology. Okay? I've heard me say this on so many things. I don't believe in come, listen to a sermon, flip a switch, life is fixed. No more my will, it's all thy will. I don't believe in that. that. That's not the life that I live. Life that I live is you understand something and you struggle, and then you fall, and then you struggle, and then you fall, and then you struggle. And it's two forward, one back. So what we want to see is how this process takes place and how to move from phase one to phase two to phase three. From a a my will to a thy will kind of life. And we all go through these phases. Number one. Phase number one. We all start with an I want what I want right now. We all start there. We start there physically, okay, as children. And we start there spiritually as well. I want what I want right now. I told you all before that after... Sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve and their sin. The number one characteristic that differentiates life before sin and life after sin is selfishness. Before sin, there was no selfishness. Before that, everything was selfless. Once sin entered the world, the number one characteristic that defines everything that we do in, as human beings is selfish, is I want this right now. I want to be comfortable. I want to be happy. I want to have an easy life. I want to solve whatever problem there is. Now the problem with being selfish is that we are not just selfish, but we also, because we're created in the image of God, like I said, we have the ability to make decisions and to think. And we have the ability to have like, like we're different than the animals. Like we're a higher level of thinking. So we have the ability, when Adam and Eve sinned, they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they said, in that day, then we will know what's good and what's evil. We have the ability, unfortunately, to think that we know what's good for us. This is the most dangerous thing in the world. We have the ability, like we know just enough to be dangerous. To think that, no, this is what's good, and that's bad. And actually, I should forgive this person this time, but if I forgave them this time, that would be bad. So I've determined that I should not forgive them. I've determined that I should be in a relationship right now. I've determined that I should not be in this relationship anymore. We have the ability to think that we know what's right for ourselves and what's wrong. And this is why we all start off right here. This is the, if I just, okay, this is this kind of speaking. If I just had this job, life would be perfect. If I just got into this relationship, life would be perfect. If I just saw this financial, life would be perfect. If God would just do this, if God would just get on the ball and do what he's supposed to do, life would be easy, life would be perfect. This isn't just bad people who do this. There's some very righteous people who live this way. We're gonna go back in the Old Testament story of Genesis chapter 16 of a very righteous person named Abraham and his, even, and his equally righteous wife named Sarah. And God had put Abraham and Sarah in a tough situation where they could not have children. Pick up the story here in Genesis 16. So Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maid servant whose name was Hagar. So she, Sarah, said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Pause the story right there. Pause the story right there. She, look what she said. She said, God's will is that I don't have a child right now. That's God's will. But look what the next sentence says. So please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram, equally as, as, as guilty, heeded the voice of his wife. Abraham, what happened to you? sarah what happened to you that uh, god spoke to you and said no children right now so you said okay that's very nice but i want children right now so i'm gonna have children right now this is what i'm saying because this isn't bad people these are righteous people these are faith people these are great people but this is human nature As i want what i want i want it right now and god says no i say okay thank you i go another door let's see what's behind door number b door number two This isn't just Abraham, is it? I want a new car. Can you afford a new car? Nope. Are you financially responsible? Nope. Do you, are you like honoring your obligation, tithing, giving you a generous person? No, nope. but I want a new car, I'm gonna buy a new car. Are you in a job situation that you say, you know what? My boss treated me this way, I'm gonna treat him back this way. Is that an honorable thing? Does God want you to treat him that way? No, but I want to treat him this way. I'm going to treat him this way. I'm going to do what I want to do. I think I should be married right now, and I'm not married. So you know what? I decided I'm getting married this year. The calendar, we're already one month in. Next guy who walks to that door, I'm taking out. What we do is we draw a target, and we say right here, Here's a target. This is good. And I'm going to get there one way or the other. Whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whether it's spiritual. You may say, you know what? I I come to church when I come to church. Don't no one tell me to get up and come early. This is when I come to church. I sleep in on Sundays. Don't no one tell me otherwise. This is what's good. And this is what I'm going to aim for. And I'm not accepting anything other than that. If we were to open up a church and I were to say, this church our mission statement is everyone should be happy. Happy, 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 happy. We teach a theology of happiness that God exists to make you happy. This would be the most crowded place in the world on Sundays. I don't believe that, and you don't believe that because if you did believe that, you wouldn't be here. You'd go somewhere else because I'm telling you the exact opposite. But this is who we are as human beings. I want to be happy, and the li- life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness has taken down many people. This phase, again, as a child, is characterized, don't take it personally, by immaturity. A child who says, a parent says, oh, now's not time for sweets, now's time for dinner. A child who cannot accept that is an immature child. And same thing spiritually. The one who cannot accept that God's will says, no, not now, Not maybe not ever, but the one who cannot accept that, I want what I want right now, that's immaturity. Hopefully, Even though we start off there, we hopefully can take a step in maturity and get to phase two. And phase two is I want what God wants, but I want what God wants. I want it,
0: but
1: you know how this goes, don't you? This is where you have the prerequisite for God's will. You have the requirements that God has to meet in order for you to accept his will. The fine print. God, I will do whatever it is that you want. I'll tell you what. You know what, God? I will serve you. I will pray. I will fast. I will be the nicest person. I'll never cheat. I'll never talk about my dirty boss. Like, I'll never do any of that stuff again. But I expect to be married by the end of this year. If you do that, I'm your servant for life. So I want what you want. But... No, me giving, I'm very generous. I have no problem. As long as God gives me this salary, no problem. No problem. I want what God wants, but I'll go and apologize to this person, no problem. Once they come apologize to me. I want what God wants, but what this is, what I call this, this is a hybrid, okay, of my will and thy will. This is a mix of the two. This is wanting God's will, but still being pulled by my will, so just trying to hold on to both as long as you can, and just trying to basically ease my conscience. Say, no, I want what God wants, but I'm not really letting go of what I want, so you know what? I'm going to hold on to this, but I'll just do a bunch of stuff God wants. And I'll just, yeah, he wants prayer, I'll give him prayer. He wants this, I'll give him this. And I try to hold on to both, but I'm never really letting go of my own will. That works for a little bit, but in the end, The two boats don't go together very, very long. Story in Mark chapter 10. of one time when our Lord Jesus Christ was having a very lovely conversation, spirit-filled conversation with a nice young man known as the rich young ruler. Very spiritual man, holy man, church-going man, honorable man. And he was having a conversation about eternal matters, about inheriting the kingdom of God. But then while they were having this discussion, Jesus saw straight through him. And saw that he was very nice, but he was holding on to something. Then Jesus, looking at him, Mark 10, 21. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell what you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Let me ask you a question. Think, think before you answer this one. Why he left sad today? Why did he leave sad? The boy came to Jesus happy. And in fact, as we see here in the, in the verse, I'm going to go backwards, not to the start of the verse. The verse started with the boy coming to Jesus, not just walking to Jesus, but look. It says, now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So the boy didn't walk up to Jesus and say, excuse me, sorry, I have a question. The boy came running, Jesus, 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 I love you, you're the best, good teacher. I have a great question to ask you. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? The boy came like this. But it says that he left sad. Why did he leave sad? He loved his possessions. But did Jesus take any of his possessions? Like, did the guy lose his possessions this day? Did he? No. So why did he leave sad? Because you know what he lost? He lost. He lost the ability to be on both boats at the same time. Is that Jesus made him choose. And Jesus said, you can no longer have my will and thy will. You have to choose. And he was sad because he came to the realization that he was fooling himself. And as much as he convinced himself that my identity is, no, I want God's will. No, I want God's will. No, I want God's will. But secretly, I'm hiding that I don't really want God's will. Well, all of a sudden he got exposed and he had to make a choice and his choice was for the possessions, not Jesus. That's why I'm about to say, I'm going to say it with all love, with all love, all respect, all kindness, add whatever nice word you want to what I'm about to say. Whether you realize it or not, there are many people in this room today who have a big butt. (laughs) someone needs to tell you some of us have a little butt and it's kind of hidden some of us have a very big butt and our big fat butt is getting in the way of our relationship with God and as much as we try to convince ourselves that our butt is not a big deal as much as we try to convince ourselves that you know what it's just kind of over there the truth of the matter is is that if you don't do something about your big butt you're going to end up losing god's will look here back to this verse show you what your big butt can do to you okay go back to this verse right here and see what this man was asked to do yes he was asked to do but look what he was offered to have says do this and you will have treasure in heaven now if i told you right now i am jesus the richest king i am the king of heaven and earth And I'm saying, I'm the richest, and I'm offering you treasure and eternity in heaven. And you let that go. How foolish are you? See, we always look at it as Jesus asked this man for so much, but I always look at the opposite. Jesus didn't ask him for a lot. Jesus offered him a lot. And Jesus offered him the same thing he offers us, which is, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has come upon the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him, and the riches and the glory of his inheritance, which God has prepared for all of us but your big butt is going to stop you from inheriting it unless you do something about it. And that's why we need to hopefully move to the third phase of discovering God's will, which is I want what God wants, period. No buts. I want what God wants, period. No buts. I'm telling you, if you want to know what does it mean to be a follower of Christ, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means this, that I want what God wants, period. And if you don't believe me, listen to our master himself, Lord Jesus Christ, in Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What does it mean when Jesus says to deny yourself? What does deny yourself mean? It means to deny your will. And deny means like disassociate from. Like I deny you. Like Peter denied Christ, means I don't know who he is. I denied him. Like, like if if I'm if I'm a citizen of of Canada, all right, and then I want to move to the United States, I have to deny my Canadian citizenship to accept citizenship to the United States of America. I deny it. Well, Jesus is saying right here, anyone who wants to be what? Anyone who wants to be elite in the kingdom of heaven? Is that who he's talking to? Anyone who wants to be elite? What is he saying? Anyone who wants to be a what? Jesus said this to who? To the disciples. Jesus said to his disciples. He's not saying if you want to be elite. He's saying if you want, what does disciple mean? It means someone who follows me. You want to be someone who follows me? You have to deny yourself. You have to look at my will right in the eyes. And you have to say, I don't know you. The biggest discrepancy, if we're honest, like let's be honest, if we're honest, the biggest discrepancy that exists today, our understanding of being a disciple of Christ today versus when Jesus said it and when the church first started is this exact point. That if I want to be a follower of Jesus, I must deny myself. I must deny my will. Too often today, we try, like I said, we try to make Christianity into my will plus his will kind of join together. So what we do is say, you know what? I believe You know, I pray, I go to church, I do all these nice spiritual things on Sunday, maybe throw a little something in on Monday, something like that, but you know what, by Tuesday, it's gone. I have my will, I have my life, I do exactly what I want, and then I just sprinkle a little spirituality, a few verses here and there. I do what I want on Friday night, hanging out with the people, we drink what we want, we joke what we want, we do whatever we want, and then I just say, you know what, I'm struggling with this sin. I just throw a few spiritual words on it and say, look at me, I'm a great follower of Christ. That is a very different picture than the one who we follow painted. The one who we say we follow, said, if you want to follow me, then you deny yourself. And you say, it's not what I want, it's what you want. And that is the hardest decision in the world. And don't, I'm not trying to make light of it, I'm not trying to say that it's easy. That's the hardest thing in the world. But that didn't stop him from telling it to the people because he knew that's what it meant to be a disciple of Christ. Too many of us today Look at this verse. This is a verse that condemns us, Titus 1.16. We profess to know God, but in works we deny him. We profess, we love you. On Sunday we sing the songs, but on Monday our behavior denies him. Being abominable, disobedient, disqualified for every good work. Why did Jesus tell, think to to me here. Jesus is trying to start his, 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 his following right here. Jesus is trying to tell people, join me, follow me. Why did he tell them, to follow me, you have to deny yourself. You have to be willing to lose your own will and all for my will. You know why he told him that? Why did he tell him that? Because that's the truth. See, we, we, we got spoiled right now. You know, for the first 300 years of Christianity, and for many Christians all over the world today, we're spoiled here, but for many Christians all over the world today and for the first 300 years, being a Christian meant really losing your life. Like today we join the church. The celebration is very happy. It's very easy. What did it mean when people joined the church back then? You know what it meant? It meant, you know what? You're probably going to lose your job because people hated Christians. You actually, there's a good chance you lose your life. You're going to lose your family. Your family's going to disown you. You're basically making a decision to say, you know what? Everything that I wanted, a good job, a good career, a good relationship, all these good things that I wanted like, to be like, happy and easy and comfortable life, I'm giving up all that. To join Christianity. We we made it easy right now. And we live it easy. And we say you know what like I said. eh, Just do what you want. Just say this prayer on Sunday. Do what you want. Eh, It's not a big deal. We just we baptize our own will. Here's my will. We baptize it. We put some verses. Hang a verse around it. And we think that we are following. What God's will. Is this easy what I'm saying. It's not easy. If you're saying it's easy, you don't understand. Or you have no intention of doing it. But since when was Christianity about being easy? And since when was our faith and all the rewards that God gives us promised on an easy path? The Christianity I read about, which we talked about a couple of series ago, says there's two roads in life. There's an easy one and a hard one. There's an easy one. And many people like it. It's comfortable, it's nice, it's wide, many lanes. But that ain't the road to be on. The road to be on, kind of difficult right now, but man, it pays off in the end. Earlier, I showed you those two examples. I showed you Lucifer and I showed you Christ. Let's go back to the Christ example. What was the context of when Jesus said, not my will, but as you will? What's the context? If you don't understand the context, you miss the power of the verse. Came from Matthew 26. Like I said, Jesus' final hours, Final hours. He got less than 24 hours left on this earth and his most excruciatingly difficult, painful time. We read about here, Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus came with them, with his disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Watch what it says now about Jesus. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Look, we cannot skim over and gloss over these verses because who is saying them? This is not a weak person. This is the person that humanity has never seen a person more strong in will and courageous and powerful inside. He didn't always show it on the outside, but inside, no one was stronger and no one survived and put up with more than our Lord Jesus Christ did. No one went through more and no one complained less. And no one ever said, I don't care about myself more than him. But even him, the strongest one, who ever walked the face of this earth says, this is hard. This isn't easy. I'm struggling with this. I am sorrowful. I am distressed and I am exceedingly sorrowful. So much so that the scripture teaches us that what happened to Jesus physically during this time as he's saying this prayer it says they started to sweat blood and if you actually look at the exact words it says i think it's in luke uh, 23 it says that great drops of blood fell from his head not a drop here and a drop there great drops of blood fell from his head and if if we're not getting into the science of it someone who who would do it in the world would sweat blood someone who's under extreme anxiety extreme stress to the point where even his blood vessels Some of them start to rupture, and that's what leads to this. Someone who's under so much pressure and stress that he's about to explode. That's where Jesus is under at this time. Don't think Jesus is walking around in a garden, sipping on an iced tea, and and saying, not as I will, but as you will, God. Oh, you're missing the picture if that's what you see. You see a person who says, I can't do this. This is so hard. Yet nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You see what Jesus did here? He said, Father, Jesus, okay, even though Jesus was never in phase two, but just for our purposes, phase two, Father, this is hard. I don't know if I can do this. I I think not as I will, as you will. See the difference between phase two and phase three? Phase one, we got rid of phase one. Phase two, so this is hard. I can't do this. Not as I will. As you will. <clears throat> we are all going to come to points in our life. Where we are faced face to face with God's will, and we're gonna say, I can't do this. This is too hard. I can't. And this is where we look to our Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, He who paved the path for us. And we saw how He faced it, and He took it head on, and He looked up and He said, Not as I will, but as you will. And that's why this day, if you read the rest of the scriptures, what it talks about, that Jesus, who humbled himself to this point, denied himself to this point, made himself of no reputation, he is the one who is exalted. And his name is above every name. And for all of eternity, all, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth will bow and confess that he is Lord. Why? Because he submitted himself. He said, not as I will as you will this decision is the most important decision you make for the rest of your life that's why i told some people earlier today and i put this out on twitter this the most important message i ever preached in my life like if i die tomorrow this is what i want to leave y'all with is that to be a follower of christ means to say not as i will but as you will and if you don't say that it's hard for me to say that you're truly a follower of christ Let me finish upbeat a little. Because I'm, honestly, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to tell you we're all in this together, but we got to do this together. How are we going to do this? I want to leave you with a verse and a picture. A verse and a picture. The verse is one of my favorite verses from Psalm 37, verse 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord he shall give you the desires of your heart delight yourself also in the lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart now listen i am not saying that god is a magic genie three wishes give you whatever you want y'all know i'm not saying that i'm not saying god is a vending machine that you just do whatever and he gives you whatever it is you want that's not what i'm saying but what i'm saying is, is god as a father loves to give his children the desires of their heart loves to But in order for him to do that, he needs us to do what? To delight ourselves in him. What does it mean? Delight yourself in the Lord. Because if we can figure out delight yourself in the Lord, he's going to give us the desires of our heart. What does it mean delight yourself in the Lord? I mean, give you what the word delight comes, the Hebrew word delight that King David used right here when he wrote this psalm. It means the following. It means to become soft or pliable, delicate with enjoyment. Again, to become soft or pliable, delicate with enjoyment. Some of you look at me like I don't understand it even more now after that definition, okay? <laughs> I, let me draw you a picture. I'm sorry, I'll draw a picture. What does it mean to delight myself in the Lord, to become soft in the Lord, to become pliable, delicate in enjoyment in the Lord? What does that mean? I have two kids. When my second child was born... Elizabeth is her name, Lizzie. It was clear from the very beginning that she came out the womb. She was strong-willed. Okay? Strong-willed. Like, you know, like her mother. No, I'm joking. joking. (laughs) She was strong-willed. Okay? And it was very clear. And it was never more clear than when her mother would try to feed her. When she got to the high chair phase of life. All right? And I remember, like, I remember this very vividly. I would come home. Lizzie would be there in the high chair, Marianne, ready to pull her hair out, okay? All the wall is decorated in food. There's spaghetti literally all across the room, on the floor, on the walls, everywhere. It's on everywhere except in her mouth. Because Lizzie would make up her mind, I ain't eating spaghetti. And it would always be this biting of heads. And then I would come home, and again, the house is on fire, and I'm home, and I, what's going on? Everyone's screaming, everyone's, ah! So I come home. I just say, what's going on? Relax, everyone, relax, what's going on? And I come, and Lizzie's crying, and Lizzie's sad, and Lizzie's this, and Mary Ann's frustrated, and oh, everyone's, so calm down, okay? And I bring Lizzie over here, and what do I do? I talk to Lizzie, and I calm her, and she says sorry, and all this stuff, And then I would do the same thing. I had a trick that worked every time. I had a trick that worked every time. I would do this. This is a picture taken when she was about two years old, something like that. But this happened a lot. Lizzie, ah! My will, spaghetti on the wall. But mom's will, spaghetti in mouth. On the wall, my, my on the wall, on the wall. My will, on the wall, on the wall. Screaming, fuzzing, ah, crazy. Lizzie, say sorry no, I say, ah! Lizzie, come here. Big hug. Big hug. Big, 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 big hug. Who does daddy love? You know, all this stuff, okay? The daddy loves you, and the daddy did. You know how all that stuff goes. She's a little daddy's girl, and I might be making it worse, okay? But she's, you know what I'm saying? Like, little daddy's little girl, and I give little Lizzie a hug, and I'm like this, and I'm like this, and then she's in my arms, all this kind of stuff. Lizzie, go say sorry. Okay. In my arms? Say sorry, Lizzie. Okay. Why? Because she's in my arms. And she delights herself to be in my arms. And nothing is better to be in my arms than her of her dad. And in my arms, Lizzie, eats the spaghetti. Okay. Lizzie, sorry to mom. Okay. Lizzie, stop throwing stuff on the ceiling. Okay. In my arms, her my will disappeared and it became thy will. In my arms, her my will disappeared. And she became very easy to say thy will. back to the verse delight yourself also in the lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart when lizzie's in my arms right there at that moment you 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 name it you what you name it you i hug you you say sorry you put the spaghetti in them you name it the world is yours you name it whatever it is that you want you do you you say daddy i'll do what you want you name it and usually these discussions would end in dessert okay when mom wasn't looking okay You name it, you want dessert, I give you dessert. You want me to twirl you around, you wanna play the Superman game, Like you name it. When you delight yourself in my arms, desires of your heart. (laughs) This is what we're missing. This is why we struggle with God's will. We're sitting on the high chair and saying, no spaghetti on the wall. And we are having an intellectual conversation with God, trying to convince him of why it is more appropriate for spaghetti to be on the wall than in my mouth. And we look dumb doing it. Because that's not how it goes. But in our mind, spaghetti on the wall. What's the solution? Is let daddy hug you. And say, daddy, I just want to be in your arms. I just want to delight myself in you. And I'm telling you, It is hard to surrender these things. It is hard to say, not my will, thy will. It is hard. It is so, so, so hard. And I'm not trying to make it easy and trying to make it watered down. But trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. That's why I tell my daughter, tell all the same thing. Trust me, it is in your best interest. Abraham tried to go outside of these arms, do it his own way. And Abraham messed up his family. And actually, Abraham messed up the whole wide world. Okay, when you look at what Abraham did. Okay, Lucifer, you had it all. You tried to go outside those arms, you messed it up. rich young ruler treasure in heaven come follow me you lost it all because you could not stay inside those arms and see that the greatest reward is for those inside the arms and that you delight yourself in the lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart can we say that verse together say that verse with me delight yourself in the lord and he shall give you desires of your heart every single one of us who is outside the arms of god will never find our desires We'll never, we'll never, ever, ever find our desires. But inside the arms of God, it all works. What I want to do now is I want us to practice what I just preached. Okay? Instead of just concluding just with a, a prayer, I'm going to invite our wonderful, fantastic music team who is somewhere around here, okay, to come on up here. And we're going to spend sing a nice song together and spend just five 10 minutes in prayer a little bit because like I said like honestly like let me just be honest now this is the most important message that I've ever preached in my life and I'm not saying your salvation you're going to lose yourself I'm not saying it like that but what I'm saying is the rest of your life let me say this not your salvation but your satisfaction for the rest of your life depends on you getting this because it is way too easy to live a life of my will and like I said dress it up with some verses and put some sprinkles and pray around it. we don't want that we want to do we want to stand together and we want to say god not my will but thy will let's stand together maybe we can dim some of those lights in the back there please Take a minute, just close our eyes. And know that we're standing in front of our Father, just like the picture was earlier. Standing in front of our Father with arms open wide, inviting us to come into his bosom and delight ourselves in him.
0: I see a generation rising up to take their place. With selfless faith, with selfless faith, I see a near.
1: your arms for us and inviting us to come in and and be like like a little child in your arms and delight ourselves in you lord we repent for all the times that we really we said we wanted your will but you know and we know that we were lying to ourselves and we were holding on to our own way lord we repent of that now lord and we pray that you would help us to change and as, as you in the garden lord found like supernatural strength i pray lord you would give us the same strength to be able to surrender the things that we've been holding on for years and 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 we convince ourselves that they're from you but they're not from you they're all from me i pray lord that you would like we just sang together that you would raise up a generation that you would revive us lord a generation of people to really go back to the beginning of what it means to follow you and not just to, to 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 wear a cross, and just to say Christian things, and, and, and do Christian things, but to really follow you and deny ourselves, and to say, where you lead me, I follow, and not my will, but as you will, help us, Lord, to really delight ourselves in you, trusting 100% that you as a father love to give us the desires of our heart when we do that, and we delight ourselves in you. We love you so much, Lord, and we thank you, and we pray, Lord, you never let us be like this rich fool that thinking that we know better than you and thinking that we know what's best for ourselves and, 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 and giving up what you want for the sake of what we want, knowing it only just leave us empty. Raise up a generation, Lord. Raise up a generation of people who really wants to follow you more than anything else. We praise you and we love you so much, Lord, and we thank you for this time and thank you for every person who's here. And I pray that you give them special, special, special strength and courage to make that decision, not as I will, but as you will, Lord. We pray all these things in the name of our Lord and our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. With the prayers of all your saints here, says we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.